I'm Owen from Bite Size Irish Gaelic. Welcome to episode 31, Ever a Trochahayan, of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. Even if you're alone learning to speak Irish outside of Ireland, don't despair. Rest assured that there are thousands like you across the globe, all interested in tapping into Ireland's native culture. And for all about this podcast, you can come to our home at www.bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast. And today I'm again joined by Michael Carraher, and he's the president of the Irish Family History Forum in Long Island in New York City. Michael, how are you? Hi, good to hear from you again. Do you Do it. So we were talking in the last episode of this podcast. We were like covering a lot about your backgrounds. You were traveling to Monaghan when you were growing up, but you've got a whole genealogy side to you. Um, and I wanted to delve into a bit more of that because people who are listening might have kind of mm, played around with this topic a bit since they had a bit of interest in their family history, but maybe they haven't gone very far, right? So how how did you first get interested in the topic of genealogy? Because like, you know, people can be interested in their family background, but not necessarily like go any deeper than that. Um, I think I would say probably uh, the interest developed over the years, uh, listening to my parents talk about their family you know, stories about this person or that person. Sometimes it, um, you know, raised questions like, you know, oh, does that really sound true? Or they may mention someone and I would be like um, thinking, you know, well, how are we related to that person? And I'd ask and I don't always get a, couldn't get a clear answer sometimes. <laughs> and then um, I guess when at some point, I guess I realized that there were this whole, uh, you know, uh, hobby existed of people using documents, paper trails, uh, and nowadays you could even do DNA stuff as well, but that, you know, you could, you know, figure this all out, that it was possible. And then, you know, I'm lucky that I kind of got really into it after the internet started. So then mm. it kind of made it almost really kind of easy just sitting at the computer at night, plugging in some info and, and quickly being, you know, getting uh, bites of information, mm. and then it just sort of takes over, and you become addicted, and it's really like reading a ne- never-ending novel. And you know, every time you you sit down at the computer to look, it's like reading a new chapter. Oh, cool! And how, like, to give us an idea, how deep have you gone into your family's history, and do you keep researching it? Uh, yes, it's never, never ending. <laughs> you know, if you're working full time, you know, it, you're you're doing it in your off hours. And then a, a lot of people tend to be retired that are interested in it. And they, they even, you know, they may have some more free time, but still, usually we say that life gets in the way of our genealogy, mm. uh, things that we have to do to keep going. But, you know, we'd rather be sitting at the computer or visiting a library or visiting a cemetery or you know, talking to an older person in the family. Uh, and then I, I definitely think there's a contingent to it being in America, being in the U.S., you know, you have that longing for a, a, an origin story, 
you know, so that drives a lot of people. You know, even though I knew where my family was from, it still raised questions. So I was going to ask you then, um, have you found any kind of controversial information about your family during your research? Yes, I have. And I'm definitely <laughs> not sure if I want it recorded forever in a podcast. Cool. But uh, you undoubtedly will uncover realities or truths that may not be what you were told. Uh, sometimes, you know, in our modern sense of family and modern living, you know, certain things that were taboo back then today would seem like, oh, what's the big deal? Yeah. Uh, and then other times it's just, uh, you know, unfortunately an embarrassment about illegitimacy or, you know, other things like that, that, um, you know, can hide it from you. And then it sometimes it's easy to discover. And sometimes it's only after a long time of looking that you actually can, can find the truth. Yeah, but, and um, sorry, it's like looking back, it's hard to imagine in today's Ireland how strong these societal kind of values were that like if something didn't go as it was meant to be planned, you probably would want to hide that and you're maybe sent away and it was never yes. to be spoken about again, right? Yeah, unfortunately... I can see some heartbreaking stories in, in my own family tree or in mm. other family trees where, you know, obviously in a modern sense, it seems like completely unnecessary, but, uh, you know, we can't judge those people to, to, to the same degree because, you know, it was a different time. Hmm. Oh, maybe here, baby, well, baby, little, <laughs> Little Liam, he's no baby. I tell him that and he agrees in the background. It's kind of bedtime here, but we'll go ahead. So, sure. uh, Mike, um, you told me that you were recently um, at an event uh, related to genealogy. So what was this and what were you telling people? So, thankfully, if, if someone was to get started in this and didn't know where to start, uh, the first thing I would do is Google, search online, there's probably an organization, a society, uh, some group that is already doing genealogy, um, either, uh, you know, either in general or, you know, specifically Irish genealogy, and you can find out where that group is, and hopefully you'd be able to, to hook up with them. Mm -hmm. The um, organizer of this past event was Bridget Bray. She started with the meetup.com group, which we've talked about meetup.com. Mm -hmm. She then got into organizing a physical uh, convention, basically, conference. This is the third one. It's uh, in Manhattan. And, uh, you know, professional speakers come, talk about different topics. A lot of societies and companies take a table, take a booth, and represent themselves. So this was a three-day conference, two days genealogy, one day dedicated to DNA genealogy. Mm. so it was great it was uh, a little bit of everything i enjoy representing our group talking to prospective members or giving advice and you know it's, it's just a, one of those type of opportunities you get to break bread with you know people that are obsessed as much as you are into genealogy oh interesting and i'm interested by what you said about just doing a google and finding uh, societies around you because 
probably what if it was me doing it i'd probably go to ancestry.com or something like that and start to try to do some research so what are the kind of comparisons between attending a society and then trying to do your own research online like i I guess you can do both in parallel right or you should exactly for years i did it on my own on the computer primarily using ancestry.com but no one company no web no one website has everything Mm. so you start you know i ended up educating myself on what records are available where can i look for for this for that and i don't know it was you know I've been doing it already a long time, and I don't know why I hadn't thought of looking for a local group myself. It was only 2011 that I discovered the Irish Family History Forum, and, you know, I was amazed. My first meeting, it was like, you know, 70 people in the basement of a public library listening Mm. to a professional genealogist giving a talk, and I couldn't believe there was just this many people here close to home interested in the same thing that I'm interested in. And then sure enough, I met someone who had a character in their background from Castle Blaney and other family from Monaghan and, you know, other, other people, you know, with Monaghan or Armagh roots. And, um, it just, it's become a, a, a great group to be with. I enjoy volunteering. I enjoy, you know, making the group better. Uh, I tend to be the younger one in the group, so I tend to do all the technology stuff like Facebook and and so forth. Mm. There's another place to look. Facebook is a good place to look for groups. So if you're looking for a Pacific County, you know, Google or go on Facebook, you know, Longford Genealogy. Look up Mayo Genealogy and you're going to find tons of people that are interested in that area. And, you know, I'm lucky that most of my family's Monaghan, so I can concentrate on one area. Mm. Obviously, someone here in the U.S., you know, two, three generations, they may have two, three, four, five counties to look at. Yeah, but, definitely. So Ancestry also is a great place to get started for Ancestry.com. You have a lot of competition nowadays. Uh, FindMyPast.com. The Mormon Church has a huge uh amount of resources dedicated to genealogy, their website, familysearch.org. You know, some of these sites are, are pay sites and some are completely free. And actually on our website, ifhf.org, um, and maybe we can post some links on the on the description for the podcast. Definitely. Um, we have a nice list of links that, you know, can, uh, by, by ge- geography, you can click on and see, you know, where you can get started. Oh, definitely. We'll be posting that at bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast and find episode 31. And we'll be linking out uh, in our show notes. Yeah, definitely. And what do you think about like, are there or do you know of groups you mentioned around certain geographies, certain counties? Is it the case that you kind of you could go out and online to find a forum or a Facebook group or something like that around a certain county? Is that is that how it's kind of structured? Yeah, definitely. You can find um, Ancestry.com uh, took over a volunteer site called RootsWeb. And hmm. if you haven't gotten to that, you definitely want to Google RootsWeb. It has email forums uh, by geography, so by country, by county, by state by, you know, probably multiple types of divisions. You also can search there by surname. 
So you can also look for people that are researching similar surnames. Uh, one, one recommendation is, especially for uh, the United States or you know, anywhere where someone has uh, had immigration happen, over time, spellings change. So don't get so hung up too much on exact spellings. You, you'll start to learn of the variants and it doesn't mean that it's a different family. It just means that you know, the spelling, you know, could have changed over time. You know, a couple hundred years ago, many of our ancestors didn't read and write, so spelling was fluid. And you know, once you get yeah. into this, you'll you'll realize you could have up to twenty or more different spellings for a single family in a short span of time. And it doesn't mean it's different families. It just you know, it means uh, the person writing it didn't know or there really was no agreed 100% way to spell something. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's worth uh, diving into the background a little bit there too, like all around the Irish language, because like, as you know, um, most Irishy surnames are an anglicized version that were yeah. once originally in the Irish language, right? So you have... A, maybe a defined spelling for that family in a locality, but once they landed on Liberty Island in New York and they were asked for their surname, well, just depending on their accent or depending on the day, the person taking down their surname and anglicizing it, if it hadn't already been done, that was up to them, right, to write it out. So, yeah, definitely to emphasize that because... I've come across people before who were talking about, oh, but it's not the same spelling. And right. just like you said, yeah, that's a bit of the background, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you want to focus on the phonetics of a name. Uh, mm. but, 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 do, but do keep in mind, like my name, Caraher, uh, is the way someone in Monaghan would pronounce it. But here in the U.S., they see my name spelled with the G and pronounce the G. So they'll do Caragher. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you look at Jamie Carragher plays for Liverpool, everybody knows him as Carragher in England, but it really should be Carragher. The G should be silent. When I see most of the variant spellings, it is with the G silent, and, and therefore most of the variant spellings, the G's not there. It's uh, spelled, uh, you know, C A, and then, mm. you know, then you know, whatever uh, letters they put in. And then when they get to the G H sound, they usually just have the H. They don't have the G. Yeah, that's interesting, Michael. And do you find that uh, people maybe start off on this journey and I don't know, we'll take a name like Mahoney that in the States, they might be calling themselves that when they get to Ireland, it's like it's O'Mahony or Mahmahuna yes. in Irish. And it might be even a bit of a revelation that it's, well, not revelation, that's too strong, but that it is a different uh, line and, of pronunciation, right? And growing up in America, I can definitely understand uh, when you're used to something. And, uh, you know, I was lucky that my parents were from Monaghan, so, you know, I was told how to say my name. But if I didn't have that connection and, and there was two or three generations of, of removal, I can see where, you know, it just changed the, the way you, the family said it. And, um, you know, you could be taken aback, you know, when you, when you, uh, go to Ireland or, you know, you're, you're, you're researching and, and people are saying it a different way. And actually, Omahani 
just this past weekend. I missed it, but in Dublin there was a big uh, genealogy conference, including Genetic Genealogy Ireland, and there was someone from Omahni, I think, giving a talk about his DNA study. I believe they're mostly Munster family. Mm. So that's part of it also is looking for that surname, you know, again, you know, have some understanding of, of the different spellings. And um, oh, one thing I will mention, there's mm -hmm. a lot of surname books available. They're mostly out of print, but some libraries will have them. Some of them could be available online um, as a PDF and our links page would, would tell you if it is available that way. Mm. But there are people who already have done general surname uh, histories where you can look up a surname, get an idea, look for the original Gaelic name, um, and keep in mind that sometimes different Gaelic families took the same English name, the same spelling, you know, but the origin in Gaelic is different. Or vice versa, you could have one Gaelic family take on three, four, five different English spellings, mm. but they really are related. They just happen to have taken different spellings at different times or different Interesting. areas. And even in com to add to that complexity, like my surname, O'Krahur, I use the modern spelling. But if you look back um, one or two generations, you'll find basically more letters in the surname because it's the old spelling system in Irish Gaelic. So just to add a bit more complexity yes. to it. That'll um, be my that'll be my next level of study after I get modern Irish <laughs> under my belt. Uh, there's always next month, isn't there? Yes. Um, um, I was going to ask you because you mentioned to me when we were offline about the new uh, technological advances and how that affects uh, genealogy research. So stuff like DNA. So could you tell me a bit more about like what's changing? How does that affect genealogy? So, so DNA definitely is a hot topic uh, in genealogy, and it's allowed for more discoveries. Uh, it definitely uh, will suck up more of your time in terms of figuring it out and then uh, you know, spending time digesting everything that you can learn from it. But it's helping people to make connections, to... Like, you know, dig a little deeper, especially when their when their paper trail falls short. You know, either because um, you know, like in Ireland, it's very difficult to get past the eighteen hundred time frame because of lost records. So it just um, there's different tests available that tell you different things. Some are male only, some are male and female, and it can trace DNA signatures basically whether it's based on father's 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 direct paternal line or mother's 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 uh, direct maternal line or across the whole span of your ancestors. Uh, there's three different tests that companies use, Family okay. Tree DNA, Ancestry.com, 23andMe. Those are the top three companies. And right now in, in Ireland itself, the only one that – will um, will be able to do sell sell a product and do the test is familytreedna.com uh, ancestry.com is going to come out with an Irish product soon but you know it takes a little bit of work to get a working knowledge of what is available and what to do with it 
uh, if you're addicted to genealogy, then oftentimes you'll jump into the DNA. Sometimes people don't know where to get started. And, and even though they're into gene- genealogy, they may not have made that leap yet into the DNA. Oftentimes you're, you're looking, if you're looking at your direct paternal line, you're looking for confirmation of your surname. So you're looking to match uh, back in time other people with your surname. You know, you have to take DNA with some uh, care. You could possibly discover things that uh, you may or may not be happy with. You know, sometimes people match other surnames. And so in their history somewhere, somehow there was a, they call it a non-paternity event and, you know, either adoption or something else. And you have the DNA signature of another surname. And so sometimes, they, you know, there's different skeletons in a closet that can come out and you just have to be ready to, to face them. Hmm. But if, I'm just trying to understand, Michael, because even then, even if there was nothing kind of hidden, wouldn't there be a lot of just surnames mixed in? Well, basically, your great or great grandfathers, whatever, you don't know from which family everybody comes from, right? Yes. So specifically talking about the male uh, line, the direct paternal line, Y-DNA okay. testing, which is for males only, and it can go looking back to time frame before surnames were used. So roughly speaking, you're looking at 1000 AD would be the time frame approximately that surnames started to be used in our, basically mm-hmm. in the British Isles. Other places it may have been earlier. So you can match people that your match with them took place before the adoption of surnames. Wow. And so when you do get your results, you'll have a, a whole b- bunch of surnames that you match. You do hope the database is only as good as when people test. So sometimes you take a test, you don't have a lot of matches, and you just have to bide your time until more and more people take the test, and that will get a close enough match to you. I don't have any really close matches. Most of the surnames I match are Northern Irish, are, you know, Northern Irish names, mm-hmm. uh, a certain amount of Scottish uh, element to them. Uh, so, you know, until I get more and more people tested, more and more close matches, not just distant matches, but close matches, then I could, I'm working on my one name study, you know, what's the origin of Carraher? We all come from Monaghan, Armagh and Louth. And that's just an interest. So that's looking in the deep past, you know, where, what other families do we connect to? And mm-hmm. uh, usually you'll connect to areas in your region, you know, so Northern Irish names, you'll connect to Northern, other Northern Irish names. Mm-hmm. And I, I, want, I want to say it also can be helpful f- for those names like Murphy or Kelly that can come from multiple locations in Ireland, mm-hmm. but they, they really have separate clans, separate, you know, uh, origins. Taking a DNA test can, can lump you with others like you and you probably should be able to figure out, you know, okay, I'm Murphy's from, because I have Murphy's in my family and it's in Monaghan and they have nothing to do with Murphy's that would be from Cork. Oh, uh, very interesting. Yeah. You know, so actually it reminds me that I need to find a male Murphy cousin to test, to prove that that <laughs> Murphy group is part of that local Murphy, uh, you know, Northern Irish 
uh, group. Yeah, excellent. And just so I understand, so you kind of have a profile that is it that you can check back and see kind of new matches? Yeah, so most of these websites, uh, you'll have a login. You log in and you it'll show you the test that you've taken. It'll show you, well, one thing is Family Tree DNA specifically actually gives you your actual data itself. So you, you see the, the, the raw numbers of your profile. Mm. Um, some of the websites don't always show you that. So, But that's information you own, but... Anyway. It is. And I think the other companies will probably catch up with that. But um, so within their database, and they have like 700,000 people in their database, primarily from America, but they also have the largest contingent of uh, people from the British Isles. And within their system, it'll give you uh, matches and it'll tell you the de degree of matches. And most people have uploaded some information about their family they'll, they'll say these surnames and these locations are in my family mm -hmm. and then the software lets you uh see that and then try to figure out okay well how close am i related and what surnames they have etc and there are independent volunteer sites where you can take your raw data and upload it into their database their pool and then you can expand your horizon so to speak and, and find uh other matches that are not within that one company. Uh, I'm addicted to this, so I've tested at multiple companies because mm. I wanted my information to be in multiple pools. And you know, it's not you know one thing with genealogy; it's not hard to to keep making that decision. Oh, I'll, I'll try this, I'll try that, and you just keep on trying things. But could so I? What, yeah, go yeah on. I was going to say I just want to mention the two other tests. So mm. uh, the biggest popular test right now they call it autosomal dna and it traces back across all your lines males and and females can take the test mm -hmm. and it's only good back to approximately four to six generations but that's really helpful for finding second cousins third cousins and oftentimes even within in ireland i'm sure there's times where people move away they lose touch within a couple of oh, generations yeah, for sure yeah yeah so it's nice when you get those hits, when you get those matches, because it um, usually with paper trails, you, you could pretty much try to figure out how you're connected. Whereas the ancient matches, it's beyond paper trail. But this autosomal test, you know, if you match someone within that three to four generations, you probably have a good chance of figuring out paper, paper wise, you know, how you're connected. Mm, interesting. And Michael, there's a bit of a, you have to, there's a bit of give and take, a bit of compromise here with privacy. Like, is that something that would ever worry you or not worry, but something that you'd be a bit protective of? Because those companies have your DNA match then. Yes, it's, there's, <laughs> a certain, there's a certain bit of letting go. Uh, you, you know, most companies... You're, you're allowed to make your results anonymous looking, mm -hmm. meaning that my results on family tree DNA, it's identified with my oldest paternal male, which is Patrick Carraher, born approximately 1807. So anybody looking at that DNA, they, that's what they see. They don't see my, my information, although I just told the whole world. That, that, 
which, uh, <laughs> which it is. But you know what? Because I'm so much into genealogy, my, my information is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. wouldn't be hard for someone to figure it out. Mm. Um, but for the average person that's just doing this on their own, they're not involved with uh, you know, an organization and, and talking about genealogy, uh, they would just be identified by an, old, uh, an older male or female, whoever they identify themselves in the system. And there's, it's not saying their name and address and phone number. It's just this one ID. And you, you only share as much as you want to share. When you do family trees online and that type of stuff, you stay away from, from putting living people's information. I'm very careful about that. Um, and mm, you, yeah. um, you know, you just have to be careful. You, and, and almost anything, you have to be aware that almost anything you put online, somebody else could take that information and, and do some, something with it. So people post a family tree and some people get uptight about other people taking that information and adding it to their tree with, you know, but the, the whole motive really around this is sharing, learning with other people. Mm. And so I just say, you know, you can't get too uptight about it. Once you put it out there, it's out there. And hopefully if you have a, a different version than somebody else of a family tree or whatever, you want to document and source your, your information as best as possible so that, you know, your tree, your story, your information will stand out as the uh, the resource for people to look at because mm. you've already done all the work, you've done the document tra- document trail, and your 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 sources are credited, and it's not just uh, you know made up information out there, but uh, there's lots of these societies that will help you, you know, to do things in a um, professional way so that your your work you know has a certain amount of authenticity to it Mm, excellent so just to recap michael i don't know if i caught each of the three or did we cover them there was autosomal yep and then y dna for males and then i left out the mitochondrial dna which Mm. is males all human beings have mitochondrial dna in our cells it's the powerhouse uh, of our cells it is passed down from women only. So it's from mother to her children. And therefore, it uh, is passed by the direct maternal line. So it's mm-hmm. your mother's 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 mother, etc. And similar to Y-DNA, both of those are passed down relatively unchanged. So uh, it, they mutate over time, but it's a very slow mutation so that... Um, when there are mutations, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, it mutates, and then you can track those mutations, and that's how they're able to separate groups of people into different groups by those mutations. And the mitochondrial DNA right now is really more useful for tracking your uh, ancestral path of that direct maternal line uh, out of Africa. We all came out of Africa, and over many years... Uh, traveled in different directions throughout the world. The only time that it can be really useful if you are trying to directly match a another person with with the same direct maternal line, then you can use that as a confirm, confirmation tool. Similar to everybody has seen in the news, Richard III being dug up in Leicester, England, 
and they were able to positively identify as one of the the, the, the facts that he uh, matched a direct maternal line with a current descendant. Uh-huh. Oh, very interesting. And because of the way mitochondrial DNA is so numerous in our bodies, that's why for ancient bodies, uh, it's an easier DNA to obtain from the remains than, say, Y-DNA or autosomal DNA because that DNA is more, I guess, more fragile, it's less numerous, and isn't always preserved in, in you know, uh, in bodies. Hmm. Great, yeah. Well, Michael, I think it's been great to cover. I, I haven't um, been exposed to this DNA side of genealogy research. Um, I worked in an internet company back about 15 years ago now. Um, they were in France and they were all about uh, constructing family trees. But a lot of has happened since then. So yeah. it's really interesting. So I have to say, which means thank you so much. Um, for your time and would you be willing if people have questions to follow up on our show notes as well on the sure. podcast page mm? definitely I'll, I'll definitely contribute well michael it's been really a pleasure we'll link out um to your site and uh, some of the sites that you mentioned uh, so to leave a comment for michael you can go to the bite size irish gaelic podcast at bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast and go to episode 31 And if you're loving the show, um, the best thing you can do is leave an iTunes written review or any other platform where you download this podcast from. Uh, You can send listener questions to me and feedback about the podcast. I'd love to hear um, where you listen to the podcast and uh, what you think about it. You can email podcast at bitesizeirishgaelic.com. And thanks to Tukumo in Japan for their music, which you hear on this episode under a Creative Commons license. So, until the next episode, Slán Gafol. Bye for now. <laughs>